what's my take on conversational marketing, kind of the power of it. I think people should care because it's really going to disrupt kind of the B2B sales and marketing. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. And we're live. Oh yeah, this is going to be a good one. I am excited. This is like two different topics colliding and our guest today is a marketing leader, a rising star of the marketing world. And that is, in my opinion, and many other people, literally on a fast pace to the top. Uh, and the current position actually has her at the forefront of conversational marketing. And we're going to get into that. We're going to smash myths around that. Now, she balances all of this somehow with being a, a mother and also a self-proclaimed foodie the VP of marketing at qualified.com, Maura Rivera. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the intro, Casey. Yeah. Excited to be here. Usually on the other side of these these podcast interviews, interviewing customers and and leaders. So it's kind of fun to be on the flip side. Totally. And I know I was on your show and you did a fantastic job and your, the blog post afterward had videos mixed in with words. I hadn't seen that before and it's fantastic. So we'll probably put a link of that into the show notes, but this is your time to shine. And, and the theme for today is there's two themes colliding really. And it's the first time this is happening on this show. So I am so stoked. This is uh, first and foremost, our marketing leadership series where we're talking to VPs and CMOs of marketing, understanding how they approach things, how they understand, how does tech fit into all this and how do you do strategy and understand your customers? So we're going to pick your brain on that. But the other theme that's colliding in here is conversational marketing. It's something that I care about. I know you care a lot about and you're very experienced in and knowledgeable in. So we're going to learn a lot from you today. So it's these two things just running into each other, like two planets colliding. So I want to pass you this. It's kind of heavy, but here you go. That's Thor's hammer. So go ahead and take that. You got it? All right. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth, misconception, bogus strategy. It just drives you crazy. Yeah. I mean, something that we talk a lot about here at Qualified is this myth that conversational marketing is all about bots. It's all about chatbots and bots and automating everything. And while that's a huge part of a conversational marketing strategy, you know, how are you having bots kind of interact with people on your website? It's so much more than that. Um, And so what I see conversational marketing as is how do you have conversations, real-time conversations, contextual conversations, personalized conversations with the most important website visitors and convert them? And how do you connect the most important people with your live human sales reps to really bridge that gap and kind of move them through the sales cycle? And then you can use bots and kind of chatbots beyond that to help you automate the process collect leads, schedule meetings, further qualify people if you want to ask them a few additional questions. But conversational marketing is such a new space and it's a new way of selling. And even I'll talk to some friends where I say, you know, I work for Qualified, we do conversational marketing and they say, oh, like, like bots on your website. And right. it's, it's this myth that we want to tell people that's part of it, that's an ingredient, but there are other parts of the puzzle, other pieces of the puzzle that really make a strategic, thorough conversational marketing strategy. So bots are great. There's a time and a place for them. But you also want to have those real human conversations with your website visitors when it, when it warrants it. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of, there's all these sort of like, you see the fun features that show up out there and, and then you're thinking, oh, that'd be cool. I could just have a bot that just, I don't know, sell, does all the work for me. And then I can just go on vacation and not have to worry about it. But it's not really the case. Like it's not, bots don't just magically do everything for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a time and a place. And I also think there's this kind of stigma out there around bots. You know, they, there was this surge of bots a few years ago for support bots or sales bots on the website. And I think some people can dismiss them sometimes. 
So when you're building out a conversational marketing platform, say, how can I leverage bots to scale and automate? But then when is it a right time to route a website visitor to a real human? Right. Um, and I think it's that it's kind of the finally finding the right medley of humans and bots. We like to say here that salespeople can't scale, but bots can't sell. So uh-huh. how do you marry those in a way that works for your business is, and is going to move the needle on pipeline? And every customer is different, right? So some right. people take a bots first approach and then they bring in the, the salespeople later to use a conversational marketing platform. And we see other customers who are the opposite. They say, hey, we want to really focus on our human-led kind of sales approach and then use bots to kind of catch the rest. Um, But it's a myth that we're like super passionate about smashing is bots are great, but conversational marketing is more than just that. And there's a a really human element to it as well. Because at the end of the day, people want to talk to people, right? You know, I think one of the things you said that was really... So telling with that, and, and I was just chatting with some people about ABM, and sometimes ABM has sort of been described as like everything, right? And if it's everything, then it's not really anything. And so um, because of that, it's like, you know, the, the definition gets all wonky. But in this case, conversational marketing, I love you were saying, you know, it's just real-time conversations with the most important people. Like that's, it's simple, right? That's not overcomplicated. But if that's really what it is, then you're right. A, a bot's not, yeah. You know, like you said, a bot can't sell and uh, and sales can't scale, right? So the human yeah. are important, but they're not infinite. And the yeah. bot, it has its role, but it's all in the right. So I think it's that, it's the, just like the themes are converging here today. It's also like those two things, the idea of bot and properly placed human all at the right time. That's so really right. what we're talking about. Yep. And you have to be thoughtful about it. And then when you find that right balance, it's so powerful. Um, But I think a lot of times with conversational marketing, people think it's just bots or they don't know where to start or a little bit of both. So because it's this new way of selling, we're trying to help educate people on the power of it and then steer them in the right direction for like, okay, what makes sense for your business? Like what's the right balance of bots and humans that works kind of for the, for your company, your company size, your sales cycle, whatever it may be. What's your take? Like if someone was like, why should I care about this thing? Like, is this just another fangled technology? Is this just mm-hmm. a passing fad? I mean, we're great at fads here Love in the marketing fads. world. I remember you saying the biggest trend in marketing right now is trends. Yeah, right? I remember you saying that. Um, what's my take on conversational marketing? Kind of the power of it. I think people should care because it's really going to disrupt kind of the B2B sales and marketing model. And I mean... Okay. I'm sure people say that about any new technology. So that's so we can dive a little bit deeper into that, right? But um, at the end of the day, B2B sales and marketing, it's been done the same way for a decade. Marketers spend all this time, all this money driving people to one place, which is their website. As a marketing team, it's our most prized possession. You know, we're always thinking about right. how do we get people there? What do they read and consume once they, once they get there? What's the content? What's the messaging? What are the videos? Whatever it may be. And then when people are ready to buy, they have to really jump through hoops to talk to sales, right? Fill out a form. The form says, thanks, we'll get back to you later. Sometimes it has like 12 fields on it. Lots of fields. Um, As you know, my Pardot expert. (laughs) And then the person moves on with their day and they move on to the other parts of their day job. Or even worse, they move on to your competitor's site. They start saying, those guys are going to get back to me. In the meantime, let's see what's happening with company XYZ. And so there's this kind of, you know, it's the way marketing has been done for a long time. When I was at Salesforce, that's the way it's done. I've been at other B2B companies. That's the way it's been done. And as marketers, it's kind of frustrating, right? Because you're, you're spending all your time and energy getting people to your site. Right. There and you send them away. Right. Sales. You take a message. (laughs) message. You get a voicemail. Who leaves voicemails these days? So as a sales team, it's also frustrating because then they have this lead queue and they're chasing after them. They're, they're hitting the phones. They're you know, blasting out emails. And it's, it's just not as effective as it could be for the marketing and sales team. Here, we like to call it the last mile problem. Um, Adam Blitzer, the founder of Pardot, actually said that, you know, you guys are dealing with the last mile problem. Marketers are getting all these eyeballs to their website, all these qualified buyers, and then you can't get them across the finish line and into a sales cycle. And so for marketing, that's kind of frustrating. 
for sales, it's kind of frustrating because they have these leads at their fingertips, but they can't get in touch with them because the timing's wrong or, you know, they can't connect with them at the moment. And then for the customer, for the buyer, it's frustrating. Like, why does this take so long? You know, I, I have these B2C consumer experiences where I go to Amazon, I order my groceries, they're there in an hour. I go to Spotify, I play the new Taylor Swift album. I go to Netflix, I watch whatever's new. It's, it's there on my screen in a second. So why is this B2B buying experience so slow? That was a really long-winded answer to say, oh, yeah. the reason why people should be excited about this is like, it's going to totally condense that process. It's going to make the marketing to sales handoff immediate. You know, why not have a sales conversation with a qualified person the second they're on your site? Why not transform your website into a Zoom meeting? You know? Right. And I are on one right now. Like, why can't you have that with your qualified buyers on your site? and move them through the sales cycle faster. So right. I think that another myth that you and I haven't talked about. Well, but like, hold on a second. Cause I, I only, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. you said so, so many on. things there. And, and I was thinking you're right. Sales spends so much of their time just chasing the yeah. leads to get on the phone. Not even like all the sales probably fits into several calls. I know sometimes that gets spread over a couple of months, but I mean, like sales are like human schedulers because half the time. I mean, you get a little app sometimes to help you with that, but even still, Hey, does this day work? Oh, I can't make this day. Can we move this day? And, and, ha- it, and just trying to get them back on the phone or back on the website. Yeah. You're right. Like marketing. That. Yeah. We spent all this time getting them there. I, I, I don't know if it was Matt Sweezy or someone who said that, that like all of our marketing is all about like later, like I'll get back to you marketing, you know, yeah. like come to the website and then we'll get back to you. You know, it's all sort of, and don't worry, we'll nurture you after we get back to you, you know, in, in a month. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why can't we answer your question when you have it, you know, on the channel that you want to have it on, which is like this live conversation. Right. Um, and the stats are, are crazy. You know, I mean, we, we talk about them all the time, but so many customers, once they fill out a form, they ghost you. They, they oh, go yeah. away. They oh, never yeah. respond. You know, we've, We've done that to people. I have emails in my inbox that I just delete because I'm like, never mind. I've, I've, I'm on to the next thing. But there are some crazy stats that if you can engage somebody in the in the moment, they call it the five minute rule. You know, yep. you're a hundred times more likely to make initial contact with that person versus waiting and getting back to them just an hour later. If you oh, get so get true them within five minutes, and it none of this is rocket science, right? Like it's yeah. all. It all seems kind of obvious, but I think as B2B marketers and B2B salespeople, we're just kind of accustomed to doing things the same way. So it's really just kind of opening people's eyes to, hey, you're driving all these people here. Why not have a conversation with them once they get there? Why not answer their questions, move them through the sales cycle um, and just kind of modernize the sales process? Right. Yeah. A lot of that kind of goes back to like doing that with humans and bots back to right. Kind of myth, right. Do it in a way that, that makes sense for, for the business buyer. Mm-hmm. And just because the bots there doesn't mean they want to talk. They still want to talk to a person. Humans can sell, but that five minute rule you brought up, it reminded me when I was at EF, big educational tours, teachers would fill out forms to sign their students up to do educational travel. And teachers may have like one free period and then they're back to like seven classes worth the rest of the day. So if you can't reach them now, good luck, right? You just, it was such a, an example. And I know they did a bunch of studies just like you're describing. And sure enough, the stats were the, I mean, in five minutes, if you can get them in one minute, if you can get them right away, it was, it was always way, way better. And, and yet it, it falls off the, the side of the cliff if it's past five minutes, if it's past any period of time. And that's what we're, it, it, it could be really hard to get, marketing automation to get sales' attention in the moment. You know, it's like, okay, even if Pardot knows, okay, I'm going to send this thing right over to sales, do a quick sync. It's near real time. Great. Now it's in their queue. Are they looking at that? Is that something? Or maybe they, they're looking at some other object or something. You know, it's like, how do we get that to their attention? And, and so I like how this is sort of like put in there. I know it sounds like an infomercial, but we're kind of just hashing out that, yeah, it's like all about having those real time conversations. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think something I was going to say earlier was that like, it also helps not just the marketing team care about the website. It kind of 
give sales this new mm. platform, you know, it, it makes the marketing real estate, suddenly it's something that both um, marketing and sales care about the kind of the, the website experience. Right. So this new channel. Right. Like where are they? Yeah. Well, how does, how does that work for you? And, and I think you're in this awesome position to be working at, with a, a tool and marketing it and being yeah. like a, a user and, and, and the client yourself and all those things wrapped in together. Do you, you know, I'd love to know, like, how do you use it? And, and then how do you get sales involved and how do you kind of tie those two sides together? Yeah. Yeah. So qualified our elevator pitch, right? You know, we're conversational marketing, we're purpose-built for Salesforce. And to your point, we're using it all day, every day. You know, we're right. drinking our own champagne, eating our own dog food, whatever, whatever phrase you like to say. But um, if we're not using it on our site, then that's a total miss and that's a failure, you know, on behalf of our customers. <laughs> right. So we are learning a ton of stuff along the way. You know, every day we get in, um, me and our our sales team, we're in the qualified application. We're keeping an eye when qualified visitors kind of are browsing our site. We have those golden pages where we know, hey, if they're on our Pardot page, if they're on our pricing page, we want to talk to them. Right. We're also doing ABM targeted campaigns. So we're sending people these kind of purpose-built landing pages built Pardot. Nice. Uh, and then when somebody lands on the site, we route that to the right salesperson and they say, hey, company X, right? You know, Tony here, like, let's talk. So we're using it in a ton of different ways um, to identify when qualified people are on the site. We're using it to have conversations and not just chat. You can do phone call. I know you and I have done phone calls when I see yeah. the cases on our site. Um, you can upgrade it there. We're using it to kind of supercharge our outbound efforts. So when an outbound prospect lands on our site, it's routed to the right AE. And we're learning things along the way, you know, like, how can that bot experience be more efficient? Where right. can we insert some personalization? How can it be more efficient? Because I, I think there's lo- it can be the problem of like lots of noise. I know when I turned it on instantly, there's like ding, 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 ding. And everyone, and I just want to talk to everyone, but not everyone wants to talk yeah. to me. Yeah, not, They're not all qualified. You know, they're not yeah. all. I think the first thing is um, figuring out who do you identify as a qualified visitor, right? So, okay. So figuring out who are the people who are the most important visitors who we want to talk to. Maybe it's somebody who's on these, we call them our golden pages or comes from a golden campaign where we know somebody who clicks through that campaign or is on our pricing page, we're going to fast track them to a human conversation. We're using, we're also qualified people who come from these ABM campaigns that we're doing. And then once we kind of have those experiences built out, a lot of it is how do we personalize those experiences? If somebody comes from a G2 listing, how do we say, welcome from G2, let's talk. And then you can use bots to kind of help you scale the program like we talked about. So we have bots to help qualify leads. So you can ask a few questions up front, maybe company size, product interest, whatever. And if they meet certain criteria, route them to a salesperson. You know, if we're offline after hours, you can collect leads, you can schedule meetings with our sales team. It's pretty fun too, because we have, we have product feedback as we go through yeah. the process, you know, which I'm sure our product team loves. But we do have things that we're learning throughout that we're said, wouldn't that be cool if we could also do this? Wouldn't that be cool if we could pull in this information from Salesforce? And as a marketer, you know, I always feel the most confident marketing a product that I know and understand. So that also helps helps us think about like, okay, what's the value that we're seeing? And hopefully mm-hmm. that's how we'll position this to future customers. Um, right. So it's been a cool, cool exercise. And um, there's something pretty cool about, you know, seeing people on your site, how they're consuming your stuff, and then kind of flipping those into um, real meetings, real opportunities. So for sure, marketer, I'm kind of getting some of that sales rush that sales <laughs> When we, when we have those like really successful conversations. So oh, totally. it's pretty fun. Yeah. You know what, what was really interesting with the way you, where you described the things you had learned and how to actually be efficient. was that, you know, who are the qualified visitors? And I thought, man, that's just like ABM, you know, the work you do to identify who are your key people, mm-hmm. who are the people you want to talk to, whether it's an account or a prospect. Totally. That work is doubled. That works in automation. I mean, part out, you need that information. ABM, you need that information and qualify. And so it's like, it's not nothing new. It's not, to your point, rocket science. You still need to prioritize who you want to talk to. Yeah. So you have to be, you know, efficient with how you spend your time. And 
think conversational marketing is a, it's a pillar of an ABM strategy, right? You have these target accounts, you're doing all this personalized marketing, you're trying to get them over to the right account owner. So if that target account lands on your site, talk to them and have the right person on your sales team talk to them, you know, and really just make it a continuous part of like your bigger ABM vision. ABM can be overwhelming and it's not just a bunch of technology. It's a new strategy, but this is part of the strategy. How are we engaging with those people once they land on our site? You know, that was the first thing that you'd mentioned. And what was interesting is the last thing you'd mentioned was the bots. They weren't first. It wasn't like, okay, I have this new tool. Let's do bots first. No, get to know the customers you want to actually have humans talk to. Mm -hmm. Personalize that experience. And then the way you said it, use bots to scale. That made so much sense. Yeah. Every business is different, right? Since we're in the conversational marketing business, we want to show people the power of those human conversations. But we have some bigger companies who say like, hey, let's start with bots. Let's start and then we, and then let's bring in our sales team once we feel comfortable with this new platform. So sure. we see all shapes and sizes, but if you can make the investment as a company to connect your salespeople with your most, most qualified website visitors, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pan out in the long run. It's going to help you in the long run. So that's, that's kind of our best practice that we advise. So, so ideal case is when sales is manning the chats or who, how do you task that out? Who does what? And you're... Yeah. In your experience, like who's the best way to do that? Typically, inside sales teams are manning it. So they're in in the application. They see when um, qualified visitors are on the site and they can engage with them immediately. We also have some account executives who you can route conversations to an AE if, you know, one of their target accounts is on the site. But it's the sales team is the end user, which is why conversational marketing is interesting, right? Because (laughs) right because marketing owns the website and they want to help with that last mile problem. But then the end user is a salesperson who wants to more at bats, more conversations, whatever it may be. Right. So there are a ton of best practices. Like we see a lot of companies have shifts for, Hey, these eight reps are, are online from eight to noon. These eight reps are online from noon to four. And then we have whatever, whatever um, schedule might work. I think you need to make sure that your reps are working it as a channel, just like they're working the phones, just like they're working email, um, because that's when they're going to get the most out of it. Yeah, I definitely see that. I mean, is as much fun as be great for marketing just to play on mm-hmm. chat. And I've certainly logged in there. It's always better if someone on our sales team is actually on there because then they. I mean, we've we've had experiences even early on after having it for several months where you know, the right salesperson's already on the phone with you. So you just hop on the Zoom or you hop on like a little video call. Yeah. And it's already happening. If you, if you talk to me in marketing, I still need to connect you with sales and we may still have that last mile in the connection. But if I can get you right talking to sales, we don't have that. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. What's this going to do for sales cycles? You know, like, is this just going to blow up sales cycles to the point where people just go on a website and they start buying? Like, here's my credit card, charge me. What's going to happen? I think, I think the hope is you get more pipeline and you get it more quickly. So kind of, kind of twofold. But everybody likes to buy in a different way. So it's not necessarily going to get rid of the form completely on a website. Maybe some right. people still want to go down that path. But for the people who want a conversation and they want it now, which 99% of people do, you know, it's going to give them an opportunity to move through the sales cycle faster. And because that person has that real-time conversation on the website, they might get into a sales cycle that they might have otherwise not gotten into, meaning they might have left your site and gone on to your competitor. Oh, totally. So I think that's the hope, right? That salespeople are going to see more pipeline. They're going to get it more quickly. And they have, because it's integrated with Pardot, they have all of the marketing data that they need at their fingertips. So they can not chat blindly, but have these really personalized contextual conversations. They know what marketing content they've digested. They know what their prospect lead score or um, grade, their prospect grade is. They know kind of where they are in that marketing funnel. And then they can just create a lead immediately in Salesforce. So I think it just really streamlines that marketing to sales handoff. Um, and marketing and sales teams are both really excited about it for different reasons. Right. You know, um, huh. I, okay, I, okay, I know what I was going to... 
have all these thoughts going on, right? This is like really cool, cutting edge stuff. You know, the, yeah. People watching on the video, like, wow, smoke literally came out of his ears. So does this kill forms? Cause I know you mentioned the forms and, and it's a different medium, maybe in the long run, but I don't know. I, there's some vendors out there that are like, kill your forms. You'll be fine. All you need is bots and they'll close your deals for you. And I'm just like, come on. Like, Think, no one believes that. <laughs> I think it's a. I think it's a complementary tactic. I don't okay. think it necessarily kills the form. You know, forms what? needs to be appropriate. If you want to download a piece of content, for instance, um, forms are a quick and easy way for marketers to get all of those fields we talked about and get that information. Forms are great for event registration. There are all these use cases. For That's forms. good point. But I think it's a complementary way. You know, if somebody wants to go directly to that human conversation. This is the best way to do it. There are also some use cases where you can use conversational marketing as the next step in a form. So somebody submits a form and they say, hey, I'm a VP of data. That's your ideal customer. You can say that person's qualified and you can welcome them with a message that says, don't go away, Mark. Let's talk now. So you could even use it as like instead of a form thank you page, you could greet them with a conversation and say, we're online. We don't have to get back to you later. Let's have that conversation immediately. Um, so there are definitely different opinions out there. I think I see it as something that's complementary and another, you know, another avenue for a buyer to get in touch with the sales team um, and vice versa. Either, either party can kind of initiate that conversation and um, it goes two ways. So that's kind of my, my viewpoint. Yeah, kind of meet them where they're at, you know. On the, oh, what's that? What do you think about it? Having used it on the Cheshire site like do you guys see it as replacing the form or what what is that experience been like yeah i think the way that you know you mentioned earlier it's how people buy different ways and then we don't have one persona we don't have one type of buyer it'd be kind of interesting if we did we just nail it and then go on vacation right. we have a couple different you know one person wants the comparison chart one person wants to talk to someone right away and and so you're right not everyone wants to chat either <laughs> you know it's not like everyone wants to chat some people don't, and but they have the option. Some, and some people want to get on a phone call. So it's you know right. it's also about more than just chat. It's about, right. Let's have that phone call right on the website as right. well. I don't want to type all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to chat, or I don't want to talk to anybody. But I want your content. So I, I, I you know, the complimentary made sense as soon as you you talked about how the instant response to a form a form is completed. Now you've received data. The data now says this person is a VP of marketing. You're trying to talk to these people and it can instantly cue in there like a real human saying, hey, I'm here. You know, if you have any questions, um, otherwise we can schedule some time or at least that instant response. That makes sense as opposed to, you know, that sort of blanket statement of kill all your forms like that, like that's going to do anything. And then those same type of um, thought leaders literally have a form on their homepage. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, it's gonna, balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like yeah, it, let people, let people shop the way they want. Let people, you know, get the information like the way they want. What are you going to register for a webinar and chat? I mean, you could, but like what's easier for someone. And also mm -hmm. there's a reason we don't tell people our phone number right away. Maybe we don't want a phone call. So if you don't, if you're early in the sales cycle and you just want to like get into a nurture, get into a nurture, right? If you don't necessarily yeah. want to do the chat, but let people do whatever they need to do. But if you're ready for a sales conversation now, then like conversational marketing's perfect for that. Or maybe right, exactly don't know they're ready for the conversation, but the salesperson thinks they are because they're a target account or something. The the sales rep can initiate it. So I think it's all you don't need to turn your marketing processes upside down. It's like open this up as another channel to right. talk to people, to convert people, um, and take advantage of your website, right? You have all right. these people on it, like get the most out of that. So that's kind of, I think it's a balance. That makes sense. I, I think, you know, I, the best way I've heard ABM described is don't throw everything you're doing out the door. Add this as a layer on top of it. You know, that was totally. Nate Skinner from Pardot. And he was like, look, it doesn't that's mean you stop doing everything else. You just add another layer of personalization on that's top true. of it. Yeah. Do this too. More effective. Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, well, we're going to kill all reforms. No, do... Do the marketing, do the nurturing, do the things, and then the people. You can start small, right? Start. Oh yeah. Out, like, hey, let's let's qualify like a smaller group of people, and let's see how that works, and then let's 
um, right. cast a wider net for who we consider qualified, or then let's turn on bots and help us scale. So it doesn't need to be this scary thing. Um, right. You can kind of do a phased approach for it to, because I think people get scared of new things. They get, you know, it's intimidating or daunting, but we're saying start small, then expand your program, figure out what works, change those experiences, pull those levers, um, and kind of find out what, what strategy works for you. Yeah. And I think I've also seen the opposite too with sales where they're all about getting in there, but to keep adoption going, we got to make sure we don't l- allow them to get distracted with all these unqualified companies. You still mm-hmm. need to control, work, optimize. Right? Yeah. Because if they get enough people that are sort of ghosting on them, they won't necessarily reach out to that, that qualified person that really wants to talk. So it's like that balance of you know, you, you can chat with anyone on your website, but really you need to have the discipline to focus on your top customers. Yeah, you have to actually, Nate, so Nate Pardot, um, Nate Skinner, he was my boss at a former company. and he used No to kidding. Say, yeah, so he was, I worked for him for years. Um, and he used to say, you have to ruthlessly prioritize because oh. if you're trying to do everything, you won't do anything, right? And I think, I mean, that holds true with just your day to day. Like what are, what am I focusing on? What am I focusing on? But it also rings true for like, what's your qualification engine? Who are we going to prioritize and focus on? Because if we try and meet with everybody, we're not going to get anything from it. So it's kind of, kind of full circle there from that neat, neat wisdom. It's funny. He's not even here and we're, we're still talking about him. Shout yeah, out, Nate. Yeah, um, stay away. Shout out. To that's me. a great quote. You know, the idea of prioritizing. I mean, but how hard is that, right? We, we want to do a million things. And so drawing the line to say, okay, this is a project for this quarter. This probably needs to go into next quarter. And start, you can't do everything. You're going to do everything poorly, right? So exactly. how do you prioritize? Because you're in startup land. How do you we are. balance that? You know what? It's um. I need to continue to remind myself like each day, each week, what are the three things we need to get done immediately? Mm. Um, it's having moved into startup land and we're, we're growing quickly and we have awesome momentum, but it was a shift in mindset of, you know, you don't just come in every day and have um, your job waiting for you. You check off the list and you move on. I think in startup land, you need to be thinking more outside the box. What can we proactively do? Um, and how do we focus on the right things? Because there is a list of a hundred marketing things we could do today. Right, for sure. We kind of have like our monthly things that we're that we're focused on. Whether it's okay. hey, let's let's refresh the website and get some demo videos up and running. Let's get our customer stories kind of rolling because that's super important. So for me, it's all about like having that those kind of things that month that I want to make sure we accomplish by the end of the month, and then you break it down into that week. And of course, it's fluid. Something new comes up every day. And then we kind of touch base as a, as a marketing team and say, sure. okay, where do we want to pivot? Where do we want to shift? Um, and then there's some things we have to say no to. You know, you can't mm-hmm. do everything because you don't necessarily have the manpower to do everything and do it, do it well. So it's all about that prioritization and figuring out what's the best use of our dollars, what's the best use of our resources, what's going to make the biggest impact with our target customer and our target kind of channel in the Salesforce ecosystem. Right. Yeah. And there, you know, there are things we're learning along the way. Um, luckily, a lot of our, our team comes from Salesforce. We worked sure. at Salesforce together. We worked at another ISV together. Now we're at Qualified, which is in the Salesforce ecosystem. So we have um, some good learnings of like what's impactful, but it's, it's a fun ride, I would say. It keeps us on our toes because there's always, always something keeping us. Yeah. Busy. But yeah. it's exciting. It's a it's a fun you know it's a fun career thing to be part of too to help build out our strategy and really like crystallize those priorities that we want to focus on month over month. Absolutely, and and but having to pick some right and mm-hmm. say no or not yet to the rest. You know whether it's mm-hmm. like you said the three things today and the three things this week. Yep. It makes such a difference to be able to just say, what are my priorities this week? And yep. you can't my have dad, 20 of them. <laughs> a big list maker. Yeah. Oh, are you? See my notebook. It has a lot of uh, open check boxes. Do you do the check box things? You, it yeah. Gives me, it gives me um, great satisfaction when I check them off. It's, it's, I've always operated that way, but it's, it's funny how that works. I hadn't thought about that. Kind of a little mini celebration every time you I check something off. A little, off. little pat on the back. True. 
True. Little mini pats and you have a whole page full of pats. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's something you were talking about earlier, really around what the conversational marketing does and the idea of the personalized and contextual conversations and, and the and personalizing. And, and this kind of makes me think about the words we use. And I think another thing Nate said was like, words are important, you know? And I know it's something that, and we chatted about it briefly beforehand, just the idea of, you know, how do you use the language of your buyer and, and not get too complicated? What's your take on all that? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. It drives me crazy when tech companies specifically, when it's confusing. When I look at their booth graphic or when I look at their you know, hero sentence on their website, yeah. if I can't figure out what they do in two seconds, that's a miss. And if my mom can't figure out what they do, like how do we talk to buyers who aren't just kind of who we're used to talking to? Right. So over the last, you know, couple of years, and you've talked about these buzzwords and these trends, but I think like positioning has gotten a little muddied. And I think sometimes companies strive to come across as like really sophisticated and really just I don't know what the right word is, but they try and they try and seem really sophisticated. So they try and do really sophisticated or complex messaging. And it drives me crazy. And I think that's why we named our company Qualified, right? Like, what do you do? We help you qualify people. We help you talk to them. Um, And so whenever I'm working on messaging, I think of how can we say this in the most straightforward way? How can we say it in the fewest words as possible? Right. Let's let's have some, some plain English talk right here. We don't need to get get too complicated. And I think that resonates well with people. And there's some brands who do this really, really well. And that was always something I thought about a lot working for Salesforce, right? Salesforce did a did a pretty good job of this, but their product is complex and they have a ton of different products with a ton of different positioning. And how can we distill down what the product does, the value it brings, who it's for, and make that really clear and digestible for anybody who's on your site, who's at your event, who's listening to your webinar, whatever it may be. So that's something that I'm always trying to to push myself to do. It's always interesting doing demo video scripts, right? Because you have to think so much about how can we get this down into less than 90 seconds, less than 60 seconds. How can we say fewer words and make it crystal clear what we do? And I kind of have a background doing videos. I was on the video team at Salesforce for a while. And so I would think about that all the time. And then I go to some events or websites and I see these headlines where I'm like, I see AI, I see ABM, I see um, analytics, I see all of this stuff. But I'm like, but what do you do? Just tell right. me. Like if you have to tell your mom, if you have to tell you know, a cousin, a friend, whatever it may be in 10 words or less, what is it? And so I see, I see a lot of different stuff out there, but that's something that I am super passionate about. It's like, right. let's, let's, uh, let's simplify. Let's not complexify. And yeah, that's something that I'm, I care about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the idea of like if you, telling your mom about it, it. Yeah, I actually thought about my grandmother. I remember being in the backseat. Uh, my parents are driving. We're older now. My brother's on the other side and, and Bushy's in the middle. And, and so she's like, yeah, she's for, really old. She's forgetting what we do. So she's asking us in the car. She's like, Casey, what do you do? And so I'm like, oh, dang. I got to, uh, what do I say? What do I say? So, uh, and even Mike Marketing, I mean, you know, she worked at JCPenney's. She's like government, you know, like a lot of experience, but like, oh, like um, we do like, so I think I simplify like computers mm-hmm. and has like marketing, but computers and I, we don't really do ads, but I was like, you know, the, you know, the, the advertising and the computers and yeah. stuff like that. And, she, and she, she's like, oh, well, that's, oh, that's nice. It's very nice. Very nice. And she asked my brother, okay, okay. And his, his name is Kip. So, hey, Kip, what do you do? He's like, I'm a police officer. And she goes, oh, yeah. oh, you're right. She's like very impressed. And then sure enough, like, you know, an hour or two hours later, we're driving in the car and she's like, Casey, what is it again that you do? And, and I was like trying Remember to say- the computers? Yeah, the computers. And 
And she's like, oh, yeah, but Kip's a police officer. And I was like, duh, I lost that one. Kip wins again. He wins. He wins that one. Uh, but simple, simple message. And you know exactly what it is. I think of how many times I've been at a world tour for Dreamforce. And you're right. You get like a little headline. It can come right underneath your logo. And you can, yep. and they'll print it on the booth for you. And I like to walk by and just see what's what. See who's dropping coin on booths. And, and if... And I'm a pretty smart guy, but I don't always know what they're talking about. And, but is there, in some sense, is it, I'm just not the target audience, so it shouldn't matter if I know what it is or not, or should they still try to simplify it? I mean, but you have to be somewhat related to the target audience, right? If you're at a world tour and you guys do implementations and consulting, you're in the realm. So even sure. if you're not the direct buyer you should be able to recommend this brand and know that they serve this need and they do this thing. That's a good point. The whole idea of recommending. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, you also want to talk to, you know, influencers. You want to talk to people who can influence that buying decision. You're not always going to be in front of your technical end user. Yeah. I just think about like, you know, cloud-based ETL, uh, CPC, uh, a data lake, something, something. And you're like, Super overwhelming. And then well, you look you at Dreamforce, do. you know, you yeah. look at World Tour times 100. So it's always kind of a fun game we would play walking around the campus to say, okay, I get that. I don't get that. You know, right. marketing, that's a little unclear. Um, and then yeah. how do you take that to all of your properties, your, your emails you're sending? How do you do those short, clear, concise subject lines? Let's not get too wordy in our copy for things. How do you do lists and make it digestible? And how do you carry that across to your homepage framework, and then the story you're telling in your videos and all of your marketing assets, how do you keep, like, carry that same simple digestible message across everything? Um, because I think, especially nowadays, like people want to have it told to them straight and they don't want to have to read a lot. You know, people are, are going to skim this content. So let's, let's um, not make them jump through hoops to kind of figure out who you are and what you do. Oh, so true. Some great points in there. One is the idea of, you know, you carrying all this stuff through to their homepage. And you know, I just had this funny question. I wonder if you do trade shows the way I do, right? I don't necessarily want to engage with every single salesperson there. So I kind of do the quick, fast walk by. I'm, I'm trying to like look at the booth and the headline and see, is this intriguing? Should I know about this thing? Yep. Can I understand it? And if I can, maybe I'll, or what do they have for giveaway? Otherwise, I'm like trying to get by without someone being like, hey. Yeah. How are you doing? Because I'm not going to be rude and be like, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the headline or just having the language that people can understand, totally. it draws them in yeah. wherever they are. Yeah. And people are looking for those keywords, right? So it's like, don't bury those. Say who you are and what you do. Right. Right. And, and you also said that people want to be told like in a straightforward way, just give me the thing. Don't need to gloss this or polish this. And I was actually just talking to uh, Ethan Butte. I don't know if you know him. He's from Bomb Bomb. He's an evangelist. Oh, yes, I saw because we've um, toyed around with Bomb Bomb a little bit, and I saw he was one of your recent podcast guests. You guys are talking all about video. Yeah, and and yeah. he was saying that while we're all trying to make high production video, literally enterprises realized that the more high production it is, people start just going ad, and they and they yeah. just reject it outright. So they're actually trying to they like they're reducing the quality of the image. They're trying to make the they're trying to come back down on production while we're trying to go up. It's, it's kind of hilarious. It's a time and place for everything, right? Like right. we're doing these kind of, just like with BombBomb, these kind of self-made account-based marketing videos. So we build out mm. a landing page and then we say, it's me waving or one of our salespeople waving saying, you know, hey, Casey, more here from the qualified team. Like we'd love to show you what qualified can do for company X. And then yeah. we record me doing a demo so they can see my face. They can see me doing the demo and people, we even do an animated GIF on the landing page. So when people land on it, nice. they see that wave. Um, and those are super low production quality, but they're personalized. They, they show people that like, Hey, we went out of our way and we want to talk to you. And this is a personalized demo. Um, and then you obviously want the fancy stuff for, for a big event, keynote opening or whatever it may be. But I think the pendulum has definitely swung. Um, yeah. I was on the video team at Salesforce. You know, we wanted to do everything top of the line, highest production value. But yeah. that would keep us from um, 
from scaling our program. You know, some people would come to us and say like, I just want to get this, this out the door quickly and that's okay if it's lower production quality. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's finding that, um, it's finding that balance, right. And what, what spend or what media makes the most sense for what you're trying to achieve. Right. And either way, it seems like authenticity is like the thing. I I definitely, you exude authenticity. So it's, it's like, and maybe that's why you're tied to the chat and all the other stuff. It's just like, Hey, here's us, you know, yeah. just, let's just talk. Yeah. You know, let's just have a conversation. It's, it's a human. It doesn't need to be business to buyer. Totally. Totally. Well, my question is, who are you? Like, How much time do you have? How I have hours. I have hours here. Come sit next to me and let's, let's right. chat about your life. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really broad question. Where well, like, I... take us back to like, you know, like a little more, uh, when you were growing up, did you always know you're going to go into marketing or did you, what did you want to be when you wanted to grow up? Like how, how did you eventually sort of land the way you are? Yeah. I mean, when I was really young, I wanted to be a cash register or somebody who works at a cash register. Cause I thought you got to keep all the money, keep people. all the money. So dreams were shattered when I found out that wasn't the case. But um, no, I mean, I always had an inkling that I'd go into marketing. I was always, always in student council, grade school, middle school, high school, college. That was always something that I did. Um, And so really enjoyed certain parts of that kind of being in touch with the community, putting on events, leading some of my different groups that I was part of. And I also was like really into art growing up. And so I did a lot of kind of art on the side. So I feel like that kind of, I was a bit more like design brand aesthetic minded in that sense. So those are kind of things I was, I was involved with, but I never was like, oh, I'm definitely going to be in marketing. But it, it felt like that's where I was leaning. Um, I went to Santa Clara kind of right in the Silicon Valley um, and was a comms major there. And got to see all the different sides of marketing, interpersonal comms, PR, brand marketing, whatever it may be. That's cool. And I was really lucky that I went to college right in Silicon Valley. So, you know. You oh, I didn't even thought it. about that. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. were down the street from, I mean, Facebook kind of became a thing right when I was at the beginning of college where you Same had to EU address. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, there were all of these really incredible companies that were kind of emerging as we were in college down there. And I worked at Salesforce as my first job out of college. I knew I wanted to go into marketing. I knew I wanted wow. to work for a tech company and, and for, for a company that had a cool trajectory ahead, you know, had some, had some good potential. When I joined Salesforce right out of college, I joined in a recruiting coordinator contractor position. It was just like, whatever you can get, this is a cool company. I got a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's all about your your network. I had like a friend of my brother-in-law who worked at Salesforce and put in the good word. And it was small. I think it was about 3000 people at that time. And I just was thinking, I want to work for a good tech company and I want to get my foot in the door. And so I joined that kind of contract role. And I knew that like recruiting wasn't for me. It was, I loved working for Salesforce. I mean, what a cool company. Mm-hmm. I also had no perspective that the way that company is run and the way it was growing and the way they take care of their employees wasn't the norm. Like <laughs> right, pretty incredible. But as my first job, I was like, oh, this is what working's like. You know, we go to Dreamforce, right. we Red Hot Chili. All pepper. companies are nice to us. <laughs> right. So I was really happy at the company, but I really wanted to get into marketing. And I felt like that was where that kind of, that made me tick. And I, at Salesforce, I got to go to these events and I got to see the way they were doing marketing. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. They are the best of the best. And so a door, I got an opportunity to interview to be the Salesforce CMO's executive assistant, um, probably like eight months into being at Salesforce. And I, was which I've told him I was like a little wary about it because I was like, okay, on one hand, you know, I can I can learn a lot about marketing. This is a foot in the door to the marketing organization. But on the other hand, I don't know if I want to be someone's assistant. You know, to be straightforward. Right. Um, like what's that? What's that like? And yeah, is the value there versus what I'm doing? And totally, and not to undermine the role. It's an incredibly hard role. I have so much respect for people who do it because you are working around the clock and you're 
trying to make someone's life easier. And so I was a little hesitant about it. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And he said, like, you know what, Maura, look at this as like a condensed MBA program. Look at this as an opportunity right? from the best. You are going to learn so much just like through osmosis, just by mm-hmm. being, you know, next to the CMO at this growing company. And this is at Salesforce, Salesforce, like their act, their C- who was it too? Was it- so it was um, one of the qualified founders, Craig. Swenser. It was Craig. So it's full, full circle. So clearly, you know, we got along because we're still, this is 10 years ago. Um, so we're working in a different capacity together now. Right. But I always say like, I'm so glad I took that opportunity because that's built the network for where I am today. It's opened the doors for where I am today. And I got to like see how the marketing operation was run there. And I got mm-hmm. to meet the leaders of the marketing organization, a lot of whom are still, you know, a lot of those people are still there. I got to kind of see how they operate. And then I was in that role for maybe less than two years. And then I went on to work on customer stories and videos and kind of, you know, have my career grow at Salesforce. And then I went to get feedback another ISV and now I'm at Qualified, you know, so there were, I was at Salesforce for about five years, kind of get feedback and co for about four years. And now I'm um, and get feedback to sort of interject real quick. Founded by Craig, who you were the assistant to for a bit. Yeah. And Sean, right? So yep. did they did they kind of give you that call or yeah? How did that yeah. how did that go down? Yeah, it was kind of good because Craig left the CMO role to found get feedback with Sean, right. Gopal and Bing, who are awesome. Um, and then I got to kind of forge my own path at Salesforce and do nice. my own marketing role and like kind of build my own identity there as a marketer at Salesforce. Yeah. So I did like the Salesforce Live, all the broadcasts that they did from events and from the studio. We built out a studio and we'd have these wow. and marketing luminaries come into the studio and it was really cool. And then, yeah, they gave me the call to come join, get feedback. And it felt like a cool opportunity to be part of something smaller. And it was hard to leave Salesforce because that's... <laughs> I bet but I knew I'd be in, in good hands underneath these leaders. Um, and so I think it allowed me to wear a lot of hats too, you know, at a smaller company as like you, you kind of do it all. And then they found it qualified and, you know, same thing came over here because once you, once you work with a team who you really, I think there's a lot of trust and everybody just jives really well. And the product is great. You know, it kind of, um, seemed like a cool opportunity. So it's funny that that like taking that Salesforce job on a whim or taking that, you know, taking the leap to do the assistant role. Like, I'm so glad I did that because I learned so much without even knowing I was learning throughout the process. And I think it's, I'm always curious where I'd be today had I not done that. Yeah. So that was interesting. And one thing that was interesting was like, I think even if you're in a lower role, I, li- I li- have you ever heard, I don't know if you listen to it, but it's called The Second Life. It's a podcast with female entrepreneurs. No. So you might not be the target audience for it. But, um, yeah, but what's it about? It's about, they have all these female entrepreneurs on and they talk about their story. CEOs, founders, and they're super inspiring as, you know, a woman in the workplace to hear. Sure. They talk about navigating being a woman in the workplace, how they took the leap to start their own companies, the the challenges they went through. And I was listening to one with Molly McNear, Mc, what's her name? Molly McNearney. And she's a co-head writer of, for Jimmy Kimmel's late night show. And she started as an assistant and she was said, if you're going to get the coffee, get the best damn coffee you can get. Like mm. make sure it's hot, make sure it's fast because people will take notice when you're doing a really good job at those smaller tasks. So that when you're given bigger tasks and bigger, you know, a bigger role, a bigger opportunity, you're, they know you're going to work just as hard because you worked so hard when you were getting that cup of coffee. And I thought that was interesting advice, like, and that I would tell my younger self too, or, um, you know, friends who are graduating college, like, it's okay to start at the bottom and work really hard and show people you're a hard worker. And like, that's going to open a lot of doors. So I thought that was, that felt relevant to. Yeah. You know, wow. My path. Yeah. It's, it's quite the story because I mean, for you, I'm so sure we're talking about startups. It's not your first rodeo. Yeah. You, you were part of the get feedback team. 
which yeah. by the way is one of my favorite apps. And we were, yes. that's how we even got all got connected because yeah, I just get feedback love fan get love feedback. It. And I would yeah. be at the world tour and get feedback. We talking to someone I'd walk by, I'd be like, I have this and you need to get it too. Yeah, Here's I how think- I use it. And then I'd walk away and the sales rep was like, thanks. No, and the customer's I like, think- okay. I told you when I first connected with you, when I came to qualified, I was like, that guy looks familiar. And then we connected that you've probably been at a get feedback booth, just fanboying when I've probably been working it, which is awesome. And like, give me some socks. By the way, you need to get this thing. People get this thing. (laughs) Yes. We just got some qualified socks too. So we'll do some. What do they have to have cues on them or what do they do? They have little chat? A little um, qualified fireball, which shows that somebody Uh, is on your website. So sick. um, And then they have the qualified logo on the kind of the um, heel of the foot. So we'll have to send you some. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that. I love those kind of dress socks. I've looked too, you know, we, I thought about getting Cheshire socks and just putting my face on them, you know? Oh, definitely don't do that. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, I'll take your advice. I won't do that. But I could see like, you know, Craig and Sean's faces just kind of bouncing around these socks. Definitely. uh, Into consideration. Little amoebas on on the ankles. Right. (laughs) Well, no, so, and that's fantastic. You kind of already alluded to this. Like when you're thinking about giving advice to yourself, like you are the VP of marketing at a a fastly going startup that has tech that just I'm a huge fan of like that's an amazing story and the fact that you know very humble hard working beginnings just being like I need to be in this place this is the right place to be and, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know whose quote it might have been um Cheryl Sandberg maybe this the idea of if you're going to I'm going to misquote like terribly yeah. but it's the idea of if you're going yeah, to yeah. you know if you're going if someone invites you on a rocket ship like just doesn't matter what seat you're on just kind of get in yeah. Get on there and just, you know, fly away. Yeah. Um, be along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you've done you know, that. Surround yourself with people who you can learn from. Like you actually don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Surround yourself where you're like learning and people who are challenging you and like, cause if you're not learning, that's, that's boring. Yeah. That's lame. If you're not learning, you're probably forgetting things. Yeah. So exactly. Keep learning. <laughs> um, what what kind of, I, I mean, you kind of hinted at this too. Think about advice you would give yourself, certainly around what Molly was saying. What would you advise yourself if you, if you were like talking to yourself right at the beginning when maybe you were doing the, the recruiting gig or maybe right at that decision where you're like, should I take that assistant role or not? Yeah. And you, you just chatted with your dad and then you came back from the future and you're talking to yourself. Like, like what, what would the conversation go like? I think a lot of it would be like, kind of like what we were just talking about, but surround yourself with people you can learn from. I also think something that I learned um, was you don't need to be the best at everything. When I first was in my EA role, I was like, I want to go into events and I only want to do events and I don't want to do anything else. But I realized marketing has all these different parts that need to work together. And I think the most successful marketing leaders know about each part of marketing and that's what helps them lead successfully. So I had um, a former boss who said like, that's great if you want to do that at one point, but like, don't say no to an opportunity to learn about demand gen then learn about brand then learn about campaigns then learn about design, whatever it may be, because then you'll know about all these different elements of a successful marketing organization and you can make, you know, you can be informed and you can be thoughtful about what a marketing organization should do. And so I, I think looking back on like my earlier career, it would be absolutely do this because you're going to learn from the best. Soak up not just the one path that you think you want to go in, but take the opportunity to learn about every part of marketing and mm-hmm. then learn outside of marketing too. Marketing needs to work with sales. Marketing has budget and finances they need to need to do. So like, don't be so close-minded when it comes to where your career might go or what things you think you're interested in. It's more important to kind of absorb all of those elements. And then hopefully you can become a marketing leader who can thoughtfully speak to all of those parts of a, of a successful marketing organization. That makes a lot of sense. And ask questions too. I think I wanted to come across like, you know what everything is and it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. I'll get back to you later. Mm. Or can you tell me more what that means? I've actually, I'm not familiar with this certain phrase or this certain strategy. You're not expected to know everything when you're so early in your career or later in your career either. 
it's okay to admit that you don't know the answer, that you have a question. And I think that's when you, when you learn, right? When you have those conversations. Yeah. And I think that the more confident you are, the more capable you are of just saying, I have no idea. Like, let's go find this thing out. Let's go investigate. Totally. You know, that's, it's amazing where you're at, what you're doing, because I know you also recently, congratulations, are a mother. And I, am, I mean, yeah. how, how do you balance these? Is, is that even possible? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a balance for sure. Yeah. I have a one and a half year old. He is on the move. His name's Jake. He is running around like a madman, but we, you know, it's a, it's a balance being a, a full-time working mom for sure. Yeah. My husband's awesome and super supportive. So outside of work, I'm just chasing him around trying to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of like our social lives these days, but it's been super fun. Um, and I found like a really big part of figuring out that balance is talking with other working moms. Um, I have, a, you know, a lot of friends who work full time. They have babies at home. They're trying to find that balance. How do I be a good employee, a good mom? How do I make it work? There aren't enough hours in the day. And for me, just like leaning on those friends and figuring out, you know, how are you surviving? What's your, what's your week like? What's your day like? Right. Um, but it also helps give me that I like, I like having my own identity and I like having this network of people who I work with and I'm learning every day. And I think it sets a good example for Jake. I, my mom worked full time with us growing up and, and I have such respect for her, but it, it definitely keeps me on my toes and there's um, not a lot of downtime in my life. Uh, yeah i'll say you know the craziness even if you weren't working at a startup one and a half is like zero downtime anyway so busy i'm not gonna lie when he goes down to sleep at night i'm like okay do you you ever get that point where if if he is sleeping you're like nobody wake the baby if you have like in-laws or parents coming over it's like uh no you don't you can't take a shower it's okay. already, he's already in bed. You can take one in the morning. Like that yes, happens. No noise. Luckily, he, he sleeps pretty good now, but, um, Oh, good. Good. That's where a lot of that, like the, our, um, floor would creak if you walked the wrong way. And I'd like pause in the hallway to make sure <laughs> like who did that pretty fun. It's been, it's been a fun, fun adventure for sure. It gives a different, gives you a different perspective on things. You know how it is. You have a what, totally. six, year old, six and eight. Yeah. Uh, I think you get chapter so much meaning from that, you know, mm-hmm. meaning or just the deepens the experience. hundred percent. Yeah. It's been really cool. Either that or I'm just exhausted and I just, everything. <laughs> and, uh, and that. Yeah. But though I, though at six and eight, I can't claim anything over one and a half. So no, it's no. better. The, the, the older they get, yeah, they take care of themselves at some point. Yes. I know. <laughs> I can imagine, I can only imagine one day. My sister sent me a video for, kids taking in the garbage cans the other day and she's like this is what awesome. <laughs> yeah mine are starting to clear the table after dinner so we're like okay oh yeah you're doing something right. right actually doing the dishes will be coming up soon as soon as you can yeah. reach the sink <laughs> yeah, that's awesome uh, well this has been fun thank you so much for coming on here fun it was fun Jen. being on the flip side of a conversation yeah um, Thank you for having me. And, for and no sure. script, nothing to just no kind of rolling with it. Just kind of seeing where fun. the, yeah. Yeah. This is my first uh, podcast interview. So hopefully it doesn't disappoint. First of many. Yes, of course. Well, you know what'll happen once you're on this one, you end up on all the other ones. Right. I know we have our Craig and Sean, our founders, they did the part up marketing trends one. The circuit. Sean, Sean <laughs> did the uh, mission daily. Yep of the mission.org their mission daily one too so we're big big fans of podcasting over here so you're a great host thanks for having me hell thank you where where can people connect with you what are some links the socials all that yeah on twitter i think yes i'm maura m rivera on twitter uh maura rivera on linkedin and then if you guys want to learn more about us i know this is a pardot you know pardot fan group over here um go to just a little slash pardot and you can see our solution. What is it again? What's the URL? I kind of interrupted you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Qualified.com slash Pardot. Okay. Um, and hey, we'll be standing by to talk with you right on the website. So if you have questions, we'll be there. So people should literally go on there and hit the chat button and be like, yeah, yeah. 
hey, great job on the podcast. Especially if you learned something for more today, go do that and be like, hey, yes, more is the best. I love it. I Inundate. Love it. Inundate their yes. chat. We'll be on standby. That's right. Yeah, all humans, no bots. Amen. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Casey. Yeah, absolutely. And so for everyone else out there, if you've learned something, share this with someone. Be a thought leader to just one person. Just share this with one other person. I know you learned something because I literally have two pages of notes front and back and I've learned something, a lot of some things. So share this with someone else, share the link or, or a clip on YouTube or whatever you want to do, but make sure you get some of this information out there, especially for someone you think their career could benefit from just hearing more of a story. It's so fantastic. And just that working hard and getting there. And now that you, now you see where she's at. It's fantastic. So awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are the best. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.